As folks are getting their Bibles, I'd like to ask you to pray for me as I am preaching today. And this is just, this is just an expression of the body of Christ, you guys lifting me up and asking God to fill these words with his power and authority. Um, we prepare words, God fills them with authority and power. It's really God's work. And so I, I would ask you to silently just pray for me as I prepare to deliver the word, and I'll close this out. So if, you, if you would pray for me, I'd really appreciate it. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you, you would uh, put your thoughts in my mind and let the word that you have put on my heart for today uh, carry your authority. And I pray that all of us, myself included, would be transformed by an experience of your living word, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, speaking on the written word of the scriptures and making it alive for us that we might walk in the newness of life through it. So I lift up today's message. I thank you for your provision, Lord, for me and for the church. And we give you all the praise this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you'll read with me, we're going to read uh, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 together. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful natures and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. This is not from yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do the good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Here's the big thought from today's sermon. We've been saved by grace, positionally. What does this mean? Being saved by grace, positionally, means that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross, we position ourselves in Christ, underneath Christ. And so, if you talk about this word saves, it's implying a future, a future salvation as well as a present one. What this means is, when we face God at the end of our life, God looks at us and he sees Jesus' righteousness and Jesus' blood covers our sins. We are forgiven, covered, and cleansed. We are positionally saved by grace. Just because of our position in Christ. And, it's, and grace means gift. It's God's gift. And that's an amazing thing. So we are positionally saved by grace. The second thought is we are sustained by grace experientially. What this means is every day we need to get more grace from God. In other words, uh, as we go through our day, we need to continually be, be cognizant of the fact that we need grace from God. We need to be uh, confessing our sins to him and asking him to forgive us and cleanse us. Uh, it's not that we're not positionally saved when we sin. We're still positionally saved. But to experience the grace of God in life uh, experientially, we need to 
be sustained by grace from a day-to-day basis. That's us being sustained by our relationship with God. And the third thing I get from this passage is, we will drift farther and farther from God's definition of what it means to be fully human apart from grace, a being who will eventually die in utter hopelessness. And this is an actuality. Uh, When humans are not connected to the grace of God found in Jesus Christ, they drift farther and farther away from what God considers to be a fully alive human being, the life abundantly. And uh, eventually that person dies in utter hopelessness. And that's, that's obviously a very sad thing. But these are the things we get from this passage. These are not uh, my ideas. These are ideas that come directly from the text. Uh, going back to Ephesians uh, 2. Listen to this bleak picture. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. Dead in your transgressions and sins. That's pretty, that's pretty bad. <laughs> Being dead... As, a, as like a verb, like continually dead, like walking in death. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful natures and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. And I thank God the passage doesn't end there, but it's important that we camp out on this section before grace is introduced. Um, to, what can I com- to what can I can compare our state of being with sin and darkness inside and outside of ourselves? The only thing that I can really think to compare it to is a medium which many of you parents are familiar with, sentient trains from shows like Thomas the Tank Engine and uh, Chuggington, you know? These shows that parents have to watch with their kids. Most of the books that I read are about sentient trains, living trains. Most of the shows I watch are about sentient trains. So, this might seem completely ridiculous, and, uh, but bear with me. Uh, so, we are like a train who is born without wheels. A living train that's born without wheels, right? This living train, remember this is a kid's book mode we're in right here. This living train sits on the ground, not on a track, and blows its whistle. Um, that's what the train believes its purpose is. It sits on the ground and blows its whistle. No wheels, no track. Uh, in fact, the train looks around the yard and he sees the same thing from other trains. There's trains, living trains without wheels, sitting there blowing their whistles. And this train, this living train, believes that this is its purpose. And so it sets its life's work to improving the sound of the whistle that's making it. exerts more air, it holds back and blows out less air. And he, and he thinks to himself, I think I'm doing pretty good. My, my whistle sounds a lot better than the other trains that are sitting over here you know, trying to improve their whistles. This is pretty cool. This is uh, a picture of what this world is like. Okay, God created us for a glorious purpose. God created humanity for a glorious purpose, to glorify him in ourselves and to do works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. He's given us a purpose. But something awful has happened. When sin entered the world in the garden... Creation was marred, and people were marred internally as well. And over time, people have spiraled, and society has spiraled so much and to such an extent from what God originally envisioned for humanity that it is almost unrecognizable. What you see out there in the yard, uh, and perhaps what you see in your own heart, is not fully human as God intended. 
In fact, uh, it's far from being fully human as God intended. Uh, to the point in this passage, if you look at this, uh, it says you can't even trust your own desires or thoughts. Uh, you're dead in your transgressions and sins. You're mindlessly following the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. And we gratify, we live to gratify the cravings of our sinful natures and following its desires and thoughts. Like we are, the things that we desire, the things that we think, they're completely out of whack. We are not fulfilling the purpose that God created us to fulfill. We are like that train sitting on the ground with no wheels off of the track, thinking to ourselves, our whistle's pretty good. We're, this is our purpose. We're blowing our whistle. That's how this world is. My, the thing that I want to really push home today is that the only way to actually be fully human is by receiving the grace found in Jesus Christ. It's the only way to be fully human. Everything else apart from Christ leads to death. Why do I say this? This passage came to mind this week. Romans 2, 14 and 15. This is a passage about people that don't know Christ, non-Jewish, non-Christian people. And what this passage says is, indeed, when Gentiles who do not know, who do not have the law, do by nature things required of the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them, other times even defending them. What this passage is saying is that every human being, whether they're aware of it or not, has God's law written on their heart. And it either defends them or accuses them. Well, let me ask you this. If human nature is marred by sin, and we have all you know, fallen, and we, and we, we can't, our, our thoughts and our, and our, and our desires, they're not, they're not right anymore. They're twisted, and we're following this world system where everything is twisted, and everyone's doing the same thing, and it's under the control of the evil one. Um, do you think that it's possible that people, many times, who don't know Christ, are breaking the law of God? There's probably a pretty good chance of that, uh, especially considering many, you know, it, it, it's an absolute certainty. So when someone breaks the law of God, their conscience bears witness to that and causes a guilt reaction. Now, with the grace of God, which is introduced in this passage, we have the anecdote to guilt. We confess our sin to God, and he forgives us. We're positionally forgiven by grace, so we have no fear of judgment, and we are also experientially cleansed by the grace of God. But what happens when you don't have grace and your conscience uh, and, and, and you do things that violate God's law, and it's written on your heart, what happens? Well, the only thing that can happen is you can deaden your heart. You can harden your heart. Because how else do you survive with that kind of guilt on your conscience? Think about If you're a Christian this morning, and you know the grace of Jesus Christ, can you picture life without the grace of Jesus Christ? Can you picture what it would be like to live with a guilt that you can't do anything about, I mean, it, it turns into shame. I mean, you just have to survive. Honestly, people that don't have Christ are doing, all things considered, are doing pretty well for themselves, by and large. Uh, because it's, it's such a, a, a difficult thing. Um, it's, without the grace of God, we just don't work. And the possibility of being human, as God intended, goes by the wayside. There's no way that we can, you know, function sometimes, let alone become human. And, and, and religions and different philosophies and different uh, things that have sprung up are really just an effort to deal with this problem, to deal with the guilt problem. It's either dealt with by 
proposing alternative ways of uh, atoning for one's sins. So, you know, if I do this penance, if I say this, this thing a certain amount of times, if I'm a good enough person, then I can feel better about myself and my conscience can be absolved. Uh, or, or it's uh, deadened by someone basically constructing a very well-put-together system of thought where they can, they can tell themselves it's not wrong, it's fine, and just kind of like gloss over it, right? It's a heavy denial. So people either deal with it without Christ, without grace, uh, with an alternative penance, I'm going to do these things to be a good person, to get, you know, to, to ease this feeling inside, or a heavy denial. Without the possibility of salvation and forgiveness through God's grace, think about it. There's just no possibility. You harden your heart, and that's it. That's all you can really do. It's a hopeless situation. But there is a way in this passage... Uh, where it talks about the key to becoming fully human as God intended. And, you know, when you think about being, I'm using this phrase, human, fully human as God intended. I'm not saying that people that don't know Christ are less than human. I'm saying that God has a dream for humanity. God has a dream for humanity, which is severely compromised by us not, by, by humanity not receiving the grace that's freely offered through Christ. God has a dream for humanity that's severely compromised. Um, and over time, someone just isn't living God's dream for humanity at all. But the good news uh, through Jesus Christ is found in Ephesians 2, 4. And this is the great word in the Bible, the but word. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. First thing I want you to see is that because of God's richness of love, he did this. And God didn't do it when we were coming around to him. God wasn't like, okay, these people are at least making an effort. He did it when we were dead in our sins. Okay? This is a really powerful idea. Because of, because of who God essentially is, is love. The Bible says God is love. God, in his love, even while we were still his enemies, like just going in the opposite direction, the wrong direction, confidently thinking we're going the right direction, God, in his love, did this. Because of his great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. It's by grace you have been saved, through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared well in advance for us to do. Grace is something that allows us to be fully human again. It answers our, pro- our guilt problem that every human being, Christian or not, religious or not, has because of God's law written on their heart. It answers that guilt problem and sets people free to have a softened heart towards God and towards other people. And that's the only way you can really live uh, fully alive. It's like uh, this fictional train uh, get, all of a sudden being given wheels and being placed on a track and having some carts to pull behind it and some people to transport around. All of a sudden, this train that thought its whole life that its purpose was to improve its whistle, which is actually a useless byproduct of what it's actually supposed to be doing, all of a sudden, this train is given, uh, is given the actual purpose it was created for, and it comes alive. And this is what God does for us in Christ. God makes us alive with Christ. He, he brings life into us. The Bible says that we receive, we are sealed in the Holy Spirit. 
when we come to Christ. So he fills us with his Holy Spirit. He takes away the dividing wall of hostility that sin causes by his grace. And just like that train, we are, we are placed uh, on, the, on the earth. And it says in verse 10 that we, uh, that we are given works which God prepared in advance for us to do. All of a sudden, this hopeless existence uh, mired in sin, mired in uh, in a, a, a seared conscience, mired in a hard-heartedness, when that grace comes in, all of a sudden, not only are we filled with the Holy Spirit, not only are we forgiven and relieved of our burden of guilt from, from, our, from, our, from breaking God's law, but God actually also has a purpose for us for this new creation. He places us uh, on this earth for a reason, and he gives us this amazing, uh, this amazing purpose to live for him. So this is why I say we've been saved by grace positionally, we're sustained by grace experientially. And without grace, we, there's just no hope for us. So this morning, the, uh, the, uh, the thing that I want you to take away from our sermon is that, uh, you know, 1 John, uh, 1 John 4.18 is a verse that I really point to. It says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. God has made a way for us to be made perfect, to be made fully human as he intended in his love through inviting us to position ourselves through faith underneath Jesus' sacrifice for our sins. There's no fear of future judgment, as this verse talks about. There's no fear for future judgment because we're positionally saved by Jesus Christ. And so the really amazing thing from this first John verse, there's no fear in love, but perfect, perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. All of a sudden, when your fear of punishment is taken away, you can be made perfect in God's love. It's a key. It's the only key to becoming made uh, in perfect love. Secondly, in order to r- remain in this place of being fully alive and fully human as God intends and to become the creation that God is making us, uh, we must be sustained by grace experientially. And this, and once again from 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We need to experience grace not only to be positionally saved by God, but we need to experience it in our day-to-day lives. Because you can go days where you're just not walking according to God as a Christian, um, and, and you're you know, breaking God's law and just kind of letting this account uh, build up. It just hardens your heart. It takes away your life. It takes away, because you feel that guilt, you feel that separation. But the gift of God, of grace, is as simple as, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. This is why I always talk about, you know, is your sin account short, you know? Um, If you want to live a fully alive life internally and to to live the purposes that God has laid out uh, for you to walk in, in this world, you really need to walk in this way. Just keep the short account with God. Just keep your, your confession current uh, that you might walk in this life. You're positionally saved by his grace, but you're also living it experientially, moment by moment, as you walk in the fullness of life. So why? Uh, so why do we need God's grace? Because without God's grace, there is no way to be fully human as God intended. And God is our creator. God desires that every person, every man, woman, and child he's created in his image would come to live out his purposes um, and, and to become fully alive. And the, and the way that we do that is by receiving his grace positionally, living in his grace experientially, and then seeing how God fleshes out his purposes in the world through us. This is the only way. It's not that grace is one of many ways. This is the only way to really live out 
the design of the creator in our lives, to receive grace and to walk in grace. There is no other way. There's no self-help book that's good enough. There's no um, you know, desensitization that you can go through that's strong enough to take away that fear of judgment that leads to death. Only the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ covering our sins, not only for the first time, but also as we walk in Christ. So this morning, if you do not know uh, the grace of Jesus Christ, um, just pray. It's a free gift. It's a free gift of God through Jesus um, that we would live uh, in his grace. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift from God. It's not something we've worked to earn. It's something we're given as a gift. Uh, You can just pray and ask God to forgive you of your sins. Acknowledge, you know, I've broken your law. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit. Allow me to start walking in the newness of life. If you are a Christian this morning who already knows God, uh, but maybe you're not walking in God's grace experientially, it's, it really is time to make this commitment like, I want to live in the fullness every day. I want to live in the fullness of life. Uh, pray that God would, would, would give you a, um, a time or some, something that you do every day where you can just reflect on your life and think to yourself, Am I separated? have I separated myself uh, from God today in any way? In, in my relationships with other people, have I, have I done something where I really feel that it's kind of caused this schism between me and God? And just confess those things because he's faithful and just to forgive those things and put you right back into his presence. Um, so those are kind of the two, the two categories this morning. I'm going to close this in prayer. We're going to sing a song with the worship team of God's amazing grace, which is what we talked about today. But please join me in prayer. And again, if you do not know Christ, Uh, This is the time to come to know him. This is the time to become fully human as God dreams for you. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for for all the blessings that you give, but especially for for your grace, from which all other blessings flow. Uh, Lord, uh, all of us stumble at many points. All of us fall short of your law. Uh, But Lord, by your grace, we are sustained. I pray for if anyone here does not know you, Jesus, I pray that you would powerfully encounter them as we sing. Uh, I pray that they would come to know your grace this morning and your forgiveness, your free gift which you gave us from your love. And for the rest of us, Lord, may we mature in this very simple truth of walking out uh, your grace in our day-to-day lives and, and really walking in the works which you've prepared in advance for us to do for your glory. Lord, we want to be fully alive. We want to live life abundantly as you dream for us. pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things that comes to mind uh, as we're closing and as I was thinking is, you know, we often do very well with positional grace, being underneath the shed blood of Jesus and being saved so we're not fearing judgment. What we often fail at is experiential grace as Christians, day-to-day living. This is where marriage problems come about. When you, when you cannot forgive your brother or your sister who you have seen, how can you, you know, the people in our lives... That we, uh, that we sin against and we just keep going. We just keep going. We don't confess that to God. We don't confess that to them. We just keep going. And our hearts get hardened towards people we love. Um, we need to experience God's grace in our marriages, in our, in our parenting, in, in all, all of our relationships. It's, it's such an important thing to remember that Jesus forgave us of a debt that we could never repay. And how can we withhold that forgiveness from people that are closest to us? Experiential grace. I just challenge you. Find Find one time every day, set your watch, set your phone if you're like me, or your Fitbit buzzer, you know? Set it, and just take, take a tally. Just be like, hey, how am I doing living in God's grace experientially today? Because if it doesn't matter for your present life, 
you're just becoming less and less human every day. Your heart, your heart is hardening towards other people, hardening towards God. We need soft hearts. We need to be open. I'd like to bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Father, I bless your people with whatever authority you have given me as senior pastor of this church. I don't understand it fully. But Lord, whatever that authority is, I leverage it to bless your people. I bless them, Lord, that they might walk in your grace. I bless them that they might walk in your grace, that they might walk in humility, that they would love with the same love that you have loved them, that you would forgive, uh, that you would, they would forgive with the same forgiveness that they have received, um, that you would live out through your people the gospel in these homes, in these lives, in these friendships and marriages, and in these parenting situations. I just bless them, God. Let, let us be a people of grace. Let us be a people who are fully alive, living life abundantly, with you fueling us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You are dispersed. Go and be the church.